With a 50% obesity rate in the U.S. and more unhealthy people than ever before, it is time to make America healthy. Welcome to Make America Healthy with Beth Shaw. If you're feeling tired, toxic, heavy, slow, or stressed, then keep listening. Beth and her expert guests are here to offer practical advice and share the tools you need to reclaim your physical, mental, and emotional health. Now, here is your host, Beth Shaw. Welcome, welcome everyone, and welcome to Make America Healthy, where we're here to empower you with tools, practical tools that you can use for your physical and mental health. We're covering a variety of topics today, including spinal health, yoga, the obesity crisis in America, what to do when your body falls apart, and we'll be joined by a guest who has experienced amazing weight loss using my Yoga Lean program that he self-administered, by the way. So our first guest today is a world-renowned author and spinal surgeon, Dr. Michael Has, and we're thrilled to have him. I would imagine that, uh, Michael, when your clients get to you, they are in a certain state of disrepair, uh, but I'm sure you get a lot of fit people coming in as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your practice and uh, who your average client is? Hi, I'm Michael Haas. I am an orthopedic spinal surgeon, and I do a lot of non-operative as well as operative care. Um, I initially was trained years ago and spent time in the military. I was the head of orthopedic surgery and spinal surgery at Andrews Air Force Base in the Air Force. And that starts to answer one of your questions that some of the patients I see are athletes and very young, healthy people that have injuries ranging from what grandma would call the sciatica due to a disc herniation causing radiating pain into their leg or a, broke, or a herniated disc in their neck causing arm and shoulder pain. So often I'll see some healthy yoga people, CrossFitters, football players, things like that. But on the other hand, I'll see a lot of people which are, we'd call maybe middle age or so in the, in the what, 40s or 50s or later, they gradually start wearing out. They start having uh, potentially some injuries to their discs or beginning to have arthritis in the back. Of course, we don't call it arthritis in the medical world. We call it spondylosis, but people can have back pain related to that. And then there's a third segment of the population which over time, as we gradually start wearing out our joints over time, that the joints start getting larger in our backs, the nerves start having less room and they can eventually start getting pinched. So they'll start having pain due to their nerves being pinched, not from a herniated disc, but actually due to their bones getting arthritis, just like someone that has knee arthritis that you can start seeing their knees are swelling and um, you know, having a bunch of bumps and bruises in their back or in their, in their, in their knee. So I would imagine there's a lot of lifestyle advice that you have the opportunity to give to your clients. Of course, I'm hoping that yoga would be on that prescription pad, but I'm wondering what things do you typically tell your client if they're near the point of having to have a surgery, but perhaps can avoid it? Well, a couple of things. We know that a lot of patients, a lot of people just in America, particularly over the last 20 or 30 years, 
have gradually started putting more and more weight on. And along with this, they're not really aware of it, but they start losing more and more muscle. So they actually have sarcopenia and they don't even know that their muscles are disappearing. Sarcopenia is the medical term for overall loss of muscle mass. So they may be getting bigger because of the storage or the fat that they're having, but they're actually getting weaker. Their bones may be getting weaker due to osteoporosis and so on. So one of the main things I want patients to do, they need to move. First of all, they need to get up and move. They need to walk. The older patients, I'll have them walk even with a walking stick, because if you have a walking stick and not a cane and you have your hand up you know, at shoulder level, you can actually take a lot of pressure off your back while still moving. I'll even have a lot of people particularly start walking backwards. Walking backwards is a completely different set of muscles used in your legs and can strengthen your vastus medialis and can strengthen your lower part of your legs and definitely increase your balance. By doing all of that, patients end up standing upright better and they become healthier and they build their muscles back up. Then from a dietary perspective, we can talk about that as well. Yeah, there's so much to talk about from a dietary uh, perspective. So you'll have these clients, you're trying to save them from perhaps a surgery. Uh, you put them on a new program. Are most of them compliant? Are they willing to get with the program and make changes? Or do you find that that's not often the case? I'm curious what percentage of people take the advice and actually put it to use. That's a pretty individual thing, but I would say that about a third of the people are ready to actually make a change. There's a lot that are seeking and other ones think that they know the answer. In fact, the typical person that doesn't do as well tends to be the more educated person per se. The ones that read more have been to college. They, they, they're very good in their field of whatever it is, be it computer science or so on, but they think they know the answer and they're going to get lots of pointers all over the internet and think that, oh, we need to do this, or that doesn't apply to me, or this way of exercising or this way of eating. Well, they didn't take into consideration, blah, blah, blah. Those are the folks that don't do well, but the, the ones that are really ready to learn and just take the very simple advice, it's amazing how they can turn their life around. And the initial foundational things are really not that difficult to do. Or put it this way, they might be challenging to do because they're not common and they're not what they're used to, but to actually apply that is not that difficult. Well, that's very positive and, and encouraging news that if uh, clients or patients are willing to take the advice and put it to use, uh, it works if you work it, right? Absolutely. And, I, and when you mentioned yoga... A few years ago, I was curious about yoga. So I went and I got, I, I did a 200 hour training. I got certified in yoga. It actually helped my shoulders because I had old, um, you know, just overuse injuries, but currently pain free with this. And multiple studies have now shown that during a weight loss period, using an appropriate diet with, you know, protein and, and, and the, the number of calories overall that you use along with the, that from an energy perspective, when you exercise, and that includes, you don't have to go lift a lot of weights. That's even moving. And, and yoga is a good example of what you can do along with it. That if you just change your diet frequently, when you lose weight, you lose 
50% muscle and 50% of your fat. If you modify your diet when you're losing weight to add more protein, which allows the muscles to have the building blocks that they need to maintain themselves, it might be three quarters fat loss and the other quarter muscle. But if you're doing exercises like yoga, and it doesn't have to be lifting heavy weights, you need by moving, you can even increase that up to 80 or 90% of weight loss being fat while maintaining your muscle. So it's huge, importantly, to keep, to keep moving. And exercises yeah, are very good. Yoga is such an amazing tool for not only uh, building strength because you're working so much against your own body weight. Most of our clients and students find that they end up with less body weight to work against. Uh, also increasing uh, spinal health and flexibility, uh, keeping everything moving uh, is so key. And as a spinal doctor, can you just elaborate a little more on how the yoga practice scientifically helps the spine? I think one of the biggest things that yoga does is allow you to learn to trust your body, to understand where it is in space, uh, the proprioception and the balance that gradually comes along with the practice um, is an important thing to do because a lot of times we gradually start losing that balance. If you start, as you watch people age, they tend to start losing some of the strength and start having a curled forward chest posture. And then their chins start looking upward and they start getting a little bit um, of a weaker abdomen. And, and, and you can just see people tucking in their pelvis and they become um, more unbalanced. Secondly, when you're actually learning how to control your body and move your body in space, you get a good balance of exercise or a good balance of muscles on both sides of flexion and extension. So you need to learn how to control and you have the opportunity to learn how to control the differences between the hip flexors and the extensors and same with the shoulders and the arms to get an overall good balance. Yeah, that's such a good point, especially um, with the topic of posture. And so many of us these days spending eight, 10, 12 hours a day hunched over computers. And when I have gone to some trade shows recently and run into people I haven't seen in a few years now and notice that they look older, it's typically because they are uh, having bad posture, hunched forward, and just uh, look a little defeated. So I think that having bad posture makes people look actually sometimes older than they really are. And they feel older and they feel stiffer. I recommend when people are like computer workers that about every half hour, they get up and even do some mini squats, like a uh, have their feet on the ground and then lower themselves to just touch their seat and then stand up right again, do that five or six times. That'll get their blood flowing. That'll help with their posture. That'll remind them to stand upright. I also have them think of a balloon and a string um, attached to their sternum and have them raise their sternum up, which gives them a little bit better posture by bringing your sternum up. Next thing you know, you balance your head further on your, on your neck in a much more, easy way so you can relax your muscles. And if they do that just briefly, they don't have to break their concentration because we know that if you just go and go to the water fountain and come back, it may take up to 20 minutes to get back to that zone that you were in before. But doing some simple exercises 
to change your posture during that time, you can, you might be still thinking about your program, but after this has become a habit and studies have shown that short episodes of exercise like that do much more benefit than waiting till the end of the day and just adding them all up. So yeah, or like you keep your concentration. Your workout. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Try to squeeze your workout in the morning um, before the day starts. So, and I've actually ended up injuring myself that way. You know, I was at a program at Harvard and we started every morning at 7 a.m. So I would run to the gym at like 5.30 and ended up tearing my Achilles tendon trying to do some compound exercises uh, that weren't very beneficial, which I got PRP for that and it healed up fairly nicely. I'm wondering what the role of PRP is in your practice and if you could tell our listeners a little bit about some alternatives uh, to spinal surgery. Well, PRP and stem cells and other alternative methods, I look upon them as ways to help our body do what it normally does, which is try to heal itself. And how do we help our body heal? We help our body heal from the foundational reason of having just the appropriate nutrition so that we have the nutrients we need. We have the building blocks we need in order to do the healing and the renovation of our own body so that we can stay as youthful as possible and we can respond to the outside stresses. Then we get to the point where maybe we want to transfer. For example, if I'm going to do a fusion or something like that, I may transfer bone from one area to another area that's not healing. So I'll bring the body's own cells over there when they haven't gotten there on their own, or we need to add something. And then we get to the topic of what you described with PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma. We know that platelets have a lot of growth factors in them, and they also have a lot of signaling factors or hormones and other, other chemicals in them. So that way, when we normally, for example, have a small cut and the blood is released to that area, the platelets will often be activated and stick around that region, and then set out all kinds of signals for healing. They'll send out inflammation signals that allow increased blood flow so that more healing can get there. They will send out signals to the parasites, which are not the parasites, but the parasites, meaning the cells that are around the blood vessels, which are not differentiated, otherwise known as stem cells, to bring the stem cells to the local area to heal as well. So if we can concentrate our platelets, with the PRP and bring that concentrated signaling over to where we want to heal, it makes a huge difference. And that can be used for anything from helping ligaments heal that have a relatively poor blood supply to placing them inside damaged discs in the low back to allow them to heal to even doing cosmetic procedures, putting them subcutaneously and allowing the collagen to reform, to give a little bit more robustness, and smiling and smoothing, smoothing of the skin. So uh, it, it, it's a great thing that PRP can be used for lots of things. As long as we know what we're doing is enhancing the body's normal method of healing. And you're using your own uh, blood for that, but I'm curious because I know people who have had uh, PRP uh, from embryos from the American blood bank injected into their face and I also have friends that have left the country to go to different clinics where the stem cells are put in their entire body. I'm wondering, 
how long does it take for the, this these stem cells to kick in? How long does it last for? Is it something you need to do repeatedly? And what your thoughts are on uh, full body PRP, if you will, or a stem cell treatment? I can't say that I have a lot of experience with the whole body type of treatment. In the United States, we are not allowed to be using stem cells that are prepared in a certain fashion beyond small amounts of preparation based on the FDA rules. Um, some of the issues that come across when you are getting donor cells is if they are mature enough, then we will recognize them in our body as being foreign. So we'll have a big inflammatory reaction. The potential benefit of using the cells that come from the embryos or from the umbilical cord or others that they may be early enough that we don't recognize them as being foreign. So, um, I think is there any way, is there any way to tell, because, you know, my, my concern about just leaving the country, going to one of those clinics and, and doing this while it does sound like the fountain of youth, um, you know, is it possible to change your DNA by, by putting, you know, an external entity into your body? I don't think so. Not in the method we're talking about. Okay. Because, because these cells that are there are not early enough cells that are going to change your foundational bone marrow. They're okay. going to be so recognized you, you probably be taking on, You wouldn't be taking on someone else's uh, ancestral baggage, per se, by, <laughs> by putting foreign stem cells in your body. No, I don't expect that to happen at all. Now, okay, there's something correlated in a very strange way, if you want to think about this, is there are some case suggestions that, for example, between, um, between let's say, if someone ha- is overweight and someone is not, that by transplanting fecal cells, that the bacteria that are with with those some have can have some communication where there have been cases where some of the the uh effects if you want to call it that may occur so there have been people that have changed their weight for example by trying that but that is very very fringe and that's only reported but when you talk about how our body reacts with our environment that might be a way to interact but it does not change our own dna well, that's very good information. This is all sounding like a science fiction movie, I know, but you know, when when dealing with things uh, out of our realm, I think questions will naturally occur. On that note, we're about to go to a commercial break, and we'll be back with Tom Samota, who uh, doesn't need a spinal surgery and probably is experiencing excellent spinal health right now because he just lost fifty five pounds on the Yoga Lean program. Hi, I'm your host, Beth Shaw. I'm the founder of YogaFit, the largest yoga mind-body school in the world. At YogaFit, we offer teacher trainings, education, corporate wellness seminars, and other courses so that you can take your physical and mental health into your own hands and maybe even share your journey with others by taking the practice out and helping improve the health of the planet, because guess what? We really need it right now. So if you're interested in taking any yoga fit courses, trainings, coming to one of our conferences or retreats, please visit us online at yogafit.com. Namaste, everyone. Thank you. Hey, Tom, how are you? Hey, Beth, I'm great. How are you today? Good. 
Um, well, we're having a very lively show talking about spinal health, stem cells, touched on the topic of obesity and uh, how to avoid your body falling apart, basically, is the topic of today's show. And then what to do when it does fall apart, how to put it back together. So you've been on a very interesting journey, speaking of putting your body back together. Uh, and I know you've been sharing all over social media, but I'd love to hear your story. And I, I want to say I'm especially proud of you because you didn't do this in one of our Yoga Lean eight-week transformation groups. You didn't do this by taking our Yoga Lean training. You just did this by doing it yourself. So tell us a little bit about your success. Absolutely, Beth. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. I uh, the, the pre-story is I got married on September 23rd and I saw my wedding pictures and I saw, thought, that's not who I am. That's, that's absolutely not who I am. And I had to get real really uh, down to earth with myself. I always wanted to be healthy, to eat healthy, and I hadn't. And I had gone through my level one yoga fit teacher training earlier in the year and been a yoga fit friend for years and years. And I had seen Yoga Lean. And so, Beth, I just bought, I bought the book. I bought Yoga Lean. And I started looking at it. And I, um, I'm not a cook, by nature, um, and but I have people that love me and care about me that are, and I have people that love me and care about me, um, you know that that are. So I talk to them, and yeah, absolutely, we'll cook for you. And Beth, I read the book and I follow the seven day jumpstart program over and over and over and over, and that's literally what I'm doing. And I don't deviate. Yoga Lean, it's a lifestyle upgrade, as you know, you're the author. But for those that are listening, it's not a gimmick. It's I'm not being paid to say this. This is my lifestyle upgrade. That's how I look at it. It's healthy eating. It's clean eating. You avoid sugar. You avoid preservatives. It's great enhanced yoga. It's daily walking and it's daily meditation. So it's the whole mind, body, spirit connection. And that's what works for me. That's how I wanted to upgrade my life. And so I eat this amazingly delicious food. I've learned how to cook a little bit of it myself. And I do a lot of the cleanup. I try to help clean up to contribute. And the way it has just come off, and I can tell you today, it's I'm down 56 and a half pounds. And wow. my, goal is, my goal is 75 pounds. And it's not just about hitting a number, but it is and it isn't. It's about being healthy. And the number is a result of being healthy. Wellness is about the way that you eat, the way that you think, the way that you feel the way that you exercise, the way that you sleep. It's the whole enchilada. And that's what I honestly love about Yoga Lean because that afternoon meditation is is equally on the gratitude and other types of meditation, uh, affirmation. That's equally as important as the food that you're eating and the exercise that you're doing. So I love it. It's my life. Thank you. Well, Tom, um, it's what an amazing story. Again, I'm so proud of you for doing it yourself um, without the support of a big group. And uh, Dr. Hast and I were discussing behavioral change and how about a third of his clients will take on changing their behaviors in order to avoid a spinal surgery. Um, And so when I asked uh, the doctor, and I'm going to ask you both the same question, like, what do you think it takes to affect behavioral, lasting behavioral change? What is that one day like I did after I moved to Los Angeles from New York City and I gained 30 pounds and I 
was at a sedentary job and I was really miserable. And just one day I woke up and I said, enough. I've been exercising since I'm 15. I know how to do this and I'm going to change things up. Like, what do you think that that moment is for people when they're actually willing to change their behavior? Uh, it might be something, Tom, like you said, seeing your wedding photo. Um, I'm wondering what the catalyst is for change and then what the catalyst is for lasting change, such as, Tom, what do you think in six months you'll be continuing with this program? I'll, I'll let the doctor talk first about behavioral change. Well, pretty much for behavioral change, I see people, they need to have an aha moment. They really need to see that where they're at, and then they need to have an actionable plan that isn't such a hard barrier that they don't think they can ever do it. Something simple, something straightforward that may be different than they've ever done before, because if they did it before, they wouldn't be in the situation they're at. But if you know, have a plan and you're motivated, like you had described a wedding picture and said, that's not me. That might be enough. And with the right support, you were ready at that time to be open to the idea and you had the resources. That's what I see in my clinic. Some people, they, they need that moment. Like I may need, they may truly still need surgery, but somehow I can communicate with them without making them feel like a bad person because they're not, because they've been following the rules that they have learned from society in eating a certain way, which is mostly wrong. So with good intentions, our world is becoming 60 or 80% fat. Well, and I, that's a, that's a I, problem. I, I think a, a huge problem is that we're not educating school children on proper nutrition, not that old food pyramid that they had when I was in school um, that I think was 80% carbohydrates and, and a lot of cereals and such. But, you know, we can't turn on the television now without being bombarded with pizza commercials and, and cheap hamburger commercials and factory food fried chicken commercials. Um, you know, we're, we're bombarded everywhere and yet, and at the same time, not taught what it truly means to eat in a healthy portion controlled way. So I, I, you know, I think the odds are unfortunately not stacked in our favor. So Beth and, and Doc, I would, what I would say for me is it was the aha moment. I had the desire and I had the drive to that. I wanted to make a change, but what I love about yoga lean is the food tastes better. It tastes better. And in some respects, I eat more honestly than what I ate before. It's healthy. I love vegetables. You know, it's very, there's such great food in there. And when I meet you, I immediately saw results. So I think for me, the change was I'm feeling better. It's tasting better. I'm seeing results. It gets me excited. I set a goal. I'm very goal oriented. And that, but Beth, you asked me a question um, a few minutes ago like, do you think I'll be doing this in six months? Yes, this is a lifestyle upgrade, plain and simple. It's not a diet, it's not a one and done. This is, this is me. This is what I see me doing you know, for the remainder, I'm going to be 54 years old in May. And honestly, and this is going to sound dramatic, but I think Yogalene saved my life. I really do. Because I was obese. 
And now I'm just, I mean, from a BMI perspective, I would be considered overweight, but I'm so close to being within range. And that's what I want to be. I want to be healthy. I want to give back to society. I want to help other people. And for me, Yogaline has done that. And that's a huge motivator in order to let things last and keep going. And there's a sustainable, it's a, a, a very sustainable way to move forward um, that's natural. So, Tom, were you always obese uh, or overweight? I'm always curious, too, because I don't think one just wakes up one day and is obese. It's a gradual process that hasn't been caught and turned around. Um, how long were you struggling with your weight? Yeah, I was, um, I was always, I was always like average would be the best way to say. I was never thin, thin, but I was always average. And then things started to climb up. And then when I got, um, when I moved, um, at the end of 2008 and had a corporate job and found myself sitting at a desk, that's when the weight started to come on. And I went where I wasn't as active as I was before. And as I aged and it crept up and I did Atkins a couple times and other low carb variations and sure it could drop weight, but it would come on and more would come on. And I just wasn't being honest with myself. And it was literally that wedding picture. It was a lot of milestone in life and looking at the pictures and saying the guy that's standing there is not the guy who's in here in my head or here in my heart. That's not who that is. So I have to correct that now and I have to find, rediscover that guy. It was literally that simple, but you got to be honest with yourself. So you shed a couple of layers of what's not working. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like an unfolding process. Yeah, and what's interesting is a mutual friend, uh, Tracy, said that I'm shedding my armor. And that's, uh, I was like, ooh, that's something really, really interesting to think about. Um, why did I need that armor? Because I, I don't need that armor. So it's, it's all on a journey of wellness. That's really what it is. I want, to be, um, I want to be a guide and I want to help those that, if I can be an inspiration and talk to anyone, you know, that feels like they're stuck or in a slump or wants to know, like how to make a difference. I mean, this has enabled me to do that and help people in a better way. A friend, Beth, this past weekend said, Tom, like, what's your, like, if you were to define yourself and what's your purpose, like, what would that be? And I I thought about it for a minute and I said, I just really want to be a guide to help people live their very best life and live in their integrity. That's beautiful, (laughs) Tom. Thank you so much. Um, Another question for, Dr. Haas, and that is when you see people come in with uh, back injuries, lower back injuries in particular, what a percentage of the issue do you think is caused by uh, mind-body disconnection or, uh, I'm going to take it one step further now, uh, an emotional or spiritual crisis? And I ask because I've read a lot of books on, on mind body, including your body speaks your mind, which we use at yoga fits level five transformation training, and also a great book called body mind by Ken Dykewald. And, you know, both of those books really correlate uh, emotional issues to physical issues, uh, the body mind being together. Curious as to your thoughts on that. There's definitely a connection. 
sometimes this could be the chicken or the egg issue. One being, if you have back pain long enough, you're going to get depressed. And it can go that route. There are some cultures that we know that they really don't have much back pain because there's probably no reward. There's no treatment. There's nothing else like in Western societies and various cultures and subcultures, we have more back pain than other cultures. So there's definitely a mind body to that as well. And then there are, let's say an example where I would have back when I was in the military, let's say some, a Marine that would come in and he might have a lot of back pain. He had the mental component where he wanted to know if he had something that was bad that needed to be fixed, or if this was something that was his body giving him a wrong signal and he was fine and he'd go back to the troops. So there's a lot of mind that goes back and forth with this. And sometimes they need to get fixed and they're listening to their body. But at some point they start listening too much and they want to make sure they're getting good signals. So it, there's a huge range. So I, I described how back pain can lead toward depression and, and a downward spiral. And then you start eating wrong and you're gaining weight. Then you're going to physiologically really be worse to those that maybe are lonely, depressed, and then they start eating the wrong way and don't exercise and they get in bad posture and then their muscles and ligaments just fall apart. So it can come both ways. But there are many authors that ascribe, I think, too much to the concept that this is all in your brain and you can basically talk yourself out of it. With the techniques we have these days, there are ways that we can actually find out if there's more damage. And maybe a lot of those ideas came where, you know, back in the days when we didn't have the techniques, we didn't have microsurgery, we didn't have stem cells, we didn't have a lot of those other things. We didn't really have a treatment. So then we just said, there's nothing wrong with you. It's all in your head. So it's a big, complex topic. Yeah, it is definitely the mind-body connection, super complex. And and I don't know that we'll never, ever fully understand it. Uh, I was in Japan presenting a few years ago at a fitness conference. I was teaching yoga fit and I got on one of those upside down um, apparatus machines that kind of put you in an inversion and you can lock your ankles. And so I decided to stay on that piece of equipment for about 25 minutes And then I went and I tried some glute bridge machine that I had never done before. And for the first time in my life, I guess I could say I threw my back out, but I was experiencing so much lower back pain that I could barely walk and I had to present the next day. So fortunately, due to the knowledge of yoga, in particular restorative yoga, I was able to do a number of poses, you know, four times a day. And it was the only thing that gave me relief. Um, And, uh, you know, I was able to get myself to the place where I was actually able to present a class the next day. But I I know that um, any kind of pain in the body is extremely challenging and debilitating for as long as it lasts. Um, Which brings me to the topic of uh, pain pills and um, just wondering how they are prescribed these days, doctor, and if they are uh, widely distributed as they used to be because they are so addictive for people? Well, the short answer is they're definitely not used as much. Um, 15, 20 years ago, we were all taught 
routinely taught that narcotics are safer than aspirin and they're safer than Motrin, they're safer than Tylenol because of the way they're metabolized. Um, so that, that was a big thing going on. And unfortunately, some of the more modern of the time medicines, most people that have pain medicine for the first time, like over 70 or 80% don't like the feeling of them, even if they get some results. Yeah, However, I fall the into newer that camp for sure. <laughs> some of the newer medicines is the exact opposite. 70 or 80% actually like the feeling. So that led to some of the addiction issues. These days, um, I can attribute probably maybe some patient education and awareness, but also the surgical techniques where I may do a multi-level fusion or multi-level artificial discs or scoliosis deformity surgery, where they may go home with two days of pain medicine, they take Tylenol afterwards. Um, I would say that 80% of people are off all pain medication with three or four days, and maybe another 20% need a little bit on and off for maybe up to three or four months. Um, and then you get the extreme, which I don't think of an extreme. I remember seeing like a 80 year old lady with some severe arthritis, but not, but she wasn't, wasn't the right candidate for surgery. But if she had a half a tablet of like the medicine, like Percocet, she could get out throughout the day and she get up, move around and enjoy life. But she came in worried that she's going to become an addict. So for her, the medicine is the perfect small amount for her. But the, but there is a huge, huge thing that has come out because of the amount of narcotics that have been prescribed in the past, where even the states and the insurance companies really won't even fill and let and let people fill a prescription for more than maybe three or four days, unless they fit some small criteria where they work with the pain management doctors. Yeah, I think that's great. I broke my wrist in a biking accident in 2003, and they gave me Percocet. And about a week into it, I knew I better stop this. And when I went off of it, I literally had physical withdrawal symptoms. I had fever. I was sweating, chills, shaking. I literally had a physical withdrawal after seven days. And, uh, I, you know, I, I won't touch anything like that anymore just because I, well, I don't have an addictive personality except, for, of course, for yoga and exercise. But, it, you know, they're very insidious. They, I think they can get a hold of people. I, I've, I've known uh, several people who have had major problems uh, as a result of opioids. Beth, I used to have a lot of headaches. I had a lot of headaches. Um, probably, I had a lot of pain in my body before eating artificial sweeteners and other things. I have to tell you, because of Yogaline and the clean and the great food that's on there, my headaches hardly ever happens anymore. I never took Percocet or that, but I did take, you know, like Excedrin or headache, different types of headache relief. A lot of, you know, obviously not, it's not a broken wrist, like what you're talking about, but eating the right eating makes such a difference in the way your body reacts, or at least the way mine does. Oh, most definitely. I mean, so many of the foods that we're consuming, gluten, processed carbohydrates, sugar, all contribute to inflammation in the body. And, and the more inflammation we have, the more pain, the more soreness, the more stiffness, you know, chances of getting Alzheimer's or dementia increase. So, um, and sugars and just about everything. I'm wondering, Tom, are you following the gluten-free component of the book? Absolutely. Yeah, I, that I makes follow, a big difference. Beth, I follow, when I say I follow the seven-day jumpstart plan, I do not deviate. You know, I did at Thanksgiving and Christmas for one day, but you saw what I posted um, 
you know, in the Yoga Lean Friends group, it, it was it was all clean. It was nothing deviant. For, there was no extra sugar or anything. It, you just it feels so much better, and you t- it tastes so delicious. So no, I I follow it to the T. That's the thing. There's no like celebration meals or. Well, I'll come back to it in a week or in a couple of days. Stay consistent. You know, if I were to rewrite Yoga Lean again, I realize that there's a lot of food in that Jumpstart program. When I look at it now, I'm like, wow, that's that's a lot of food in a Jumpstart. But to your point, it is all clean and it is all healthy. It's amazing. It's delicious. So as we start to wrap things up now... Um, just kind of final thoughts from the doctor on uh, best practices to take care of your body and keep it from falling apart. I think the best practices include a combination of what we've been talking about. Uh, the combination is of good nutrition, having the adequate building blocks and abundant building blocks that we're able to have. I tend to recommend a protein more biased type of diet so that we have adequate and abundant building blocks to build all of our muscles and hormones and everything else. And then the energy component comes along with it with most natural foods, along with motion and movement in order to have the flexibility and strength to move through life. I became an orthopedic surgeon because I think humans are movement and movement is life. And if we have good health and we can get up and move and spend time with friends and family and explore the world in the way that we are meant to explore, If we have the nutrition and the strength and the motion and health to do that, then we can reach our best potential. That's awesome. And that's what this show is all about, uh, being our best selves on every level. So would you tell us the the name of your book again, where we can find out more about your practice? I know I'm coming to see you when I'm in Reston and I'm going to get some stem cells shot in a lot of places. Um, so give us your social media handles, your website, and your book. My book is The Back Pain Solution. That is the first book. I have a couple more books in, in the works, but the first is the first book is based upon what my patients ask me. They ask me uh, to help summarize them, help understand what's going on in their back. So the first book is The Back Pain Solution. You can find it on Amazon or uh, mostly online there. Uh, the next ones will come out sooner or or probably shortly, my website, which is really rudimentary, I need to do it over again, is my last name with MD after it, hazmd.com, H-A-S-Z-M-D.com. That is probably the best way to hear about me and connect through that. I have not learned to be on the social media. I have probably not enough time to do that. My goal is to be as, as available, but not connected because I've got other things to do in my life than sit in front of a social media account. (laughs) Oh, we should hear that from more people. (laughs) Thank you for that. Tom, how about you? I know a lot of people after hearing your success story are going to want to reach out to you on uh, Facebook or Instagram and and maybe get some tips from you on uh, yoga lean coaching and, and how they can make a positive change for themselves in their own life. How can we find you? Absolutely. I'm on both. Tom Samora, S is in Sam, I-M-O-T-A. Um, but also that we have a, a Yoga Lean page, right? We have a Yoga yoga Fit page. I'm um, I'm on the journey just like everyone else, but if I can help, help be a guide to anyone 
or to help to answer any questions. If you feel like you're in, you're in a slump, just reach, reach out, hit me up in Facebook Messenger or however you want, and I'd be happy to support you in any way that I could. Great. Tom, thank you so much. Dr. Haas, thank you so much. Uh, we've really appreciated the information, the insight, and more more importantly, the inspiration that I, I believe we've gotten from both of you, that we can take charge of our health at any age and at any time and make positive changes to really feel our best, to be our best, to have a positive outlook, to make changes. Um, you know, our health is really our most valuable asset always. And we have to take care of these bodies. They're the only ones we have for this lifetime and they will last uh, typically as long as you take good care of them. Many times people are taking better care of their cars than they are their bodies. So we want to empower you, our listeners, with more tools that you can take of everything from supplementation to biohacking to emotional and relational health. We're going to be having a lot of exciting guests on uh, with a different topic every Wednesday and just really empower you to be your best self and live your best life. And if you're inspiring others along the way, that's really what it's all about. We're very much about giving back and community service at Yoga Fit and improving the health of not just America, but really the health of the planet. Um, so anything that we can do uh, collectively and individually, because it all starts with the self to make a transformation. There's a ripple effect out into the world, out into your circles, and and really uh, you'll feel better in every way and, and nothing feels as good as being healthy. So please uh, visit me online at bethshaw.com. You can visit us at yogafit.com and my Instagram is bethshawmindbody. So until next time, I'd like to thank you all and Stay healthy, stay fit, stay calm, and namaste means my spirit honors yours. So thank you to my guests, namaste. Thank you to our listeners, namaste, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for joining us on Make America Healthy. We hope we've given you some tools you need to take back control of your health. Until next time. We wish you a healthy and wonderful week.